feel that um, as you, even though you've prepared your notes, that even as you're stood here now, um, you will hear God's voice clearly. You will be directed by him and everything you say will have a real impact on everyone in this room. Amen. Amen. While Phil just sets up, um, we forgot to mention that there's been a last-minute cancellation of the men's breakfast next Saturday. So please pass the word on, because I don't think we amended it on the notices yet. So no men's breakfast next Saturday, but there will be an LHOP training day. So you could come to that. That'd be great. Woo! Got my aircon on in stereo. Stop me melting. Well, good morning. Every time my wife gets up early and leaves the house early, I know something is going to be different down here. I've got used to it now. We're in a different orientation, but I like it. like a little bit of change. Um, so this has been a while since actually since I've spoken. I can remember the last time. It was well over a month ago for sure. Um, but it's good. It's good to be back. And, um, you know, <coughs> one, of the, one of the things, uh, well, the theme that we're doing this month is loving ourselves, isn't it? Which is kind of a bit, bit of a strange one in a way because we're told to kind of love everyone else and put everyone else first. But, you know, Jesus said the two greatest commandments that uh, when questioned on it was love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart with all of your energy of your being with every thought that is within you this is the great and supreme commandment and the second is like it in importance you must love your friend in the same way that you love yourself okay so two good commandments there love God and love your friend or your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, it's very difficult to love your neighbour as you love yourself if you don't love yourself, isn't it? So uh, one, of the, one of the themes for this month is kind of understanding how we love ourselves. And I'm, I have to confess that when I prepare to speak, I kind of listen to what God's saying to me in that moment, and then I try and shoehorn it into the theme. I try and kind of bend it a little bit to, to do that. And there's a little bit of that going on today. Um, but in terms of loving yourself, I, I kind of was just thinking, um, you know, what, what, is, what is the gist of that? What is the gist of kind of being at peace with who you are and really loving yourself? And I thought there was, there's a couple of keys to that. I, I, it's really important key. And uh, I've learned over the years that to kind of have a confidence in your identity is, is really important. And I believe God is looking in his people for voices in this day and age. You know, real voices, not just echoes of something else that's kind of being reproduced. And I think that that goes for a number of different things in terms of what we say, who we are, what we do, what we sing, I think he is looking for a new expression that is kind of really unique to who we are rather than just echoing something else. Uh, Heather and I went out for a lovely walk and we saw Lauren pounding down the seafront yesterday. But we also saw, training for a marathon I hasten to add, 
Um, we also saw something that made us smile yesterday, which was this little troop of about eight-year-olds going down the, the seafront ready for beach football. And uh, they all kind of had the football gear on. And more importantly, they had the look. Do you know what I mean? There was, there was more product on those boys, I tell you. In the blazing sun, kind of bits of wax dripping down the side of the... But they kind of had the look, didn't they? The Christian Ronaldo look, the Harry Kane look with the swept over hair. And much of society is kind of looking for an image with which they can identify themselves. And uh, I, it, it kind of just struck me then that God is really looking for us to be our own expression, the, the person that he has called us to be. I mean, it's great to respect others. And the whole thing of discipleship, isn't it, is, is positioning yourself with someone who's kind of got something that you want and receiving from them. But in the whole of that process, I think we are looking to actually find our own destiny and our own purpose in life and who we are. And that's kind of one of the most important things. So keys in loving yourself, I think, is knowing your identity. Who are you? And that's a good question to ask. Who are you? Um, I, th- I think one of the, the next, well, equally important, if not more important, is who the Father says you are. Okay? And, you know, we, we've had a, a number of different teachings on the Father heart of God and knowing our, our, our God as Father and that he wants to know us as sons and daughters. And knowing that identity is kind of really critical to being at peace within your own skin, as it were. And I'm not going to focus on that today because there are people here who are far more qualified uh, to teach in detail on the father heart of God and sonship than I am. Uh, I do believe that I have kind of received that revelation and that I am actually kind of quite comfortable in that now. I mean, obviously, we're all on a long journey and there's kind of little bits of orphan that pop out from time to time, which we have to kind of nip in the bud and take off. But generally speaking, I am fairly secure in my identity as a son of the father and that actually the father quite likes me. He quite likes me as I am. I don't have to change myself into something else in order to earn his approval. So there's some great opportunities Um, to dive into that more deeply. And KLS is one of them, the KLS school. We have a Father Heart weekend, but and that is also open, I think, to the rest of the people in the church. So uh, we will have a a weekend dedicated to the Father Heart of God and teaching on that. We have a visiting speaker come in. And I I can highly recommend it to everyone because it is a a foundational truth that we just need to get in place. We re- it needs to be a foundation that is beyond question. That the Father likes you, he approves of you, and he wants to see you. Okay? I, the, the story of the prodigal son, is, for me, was quite life-changing in understanding the message of grace. In that the son had been off and kind of done everything wrong, hadn't he? He'd done everything opposite to uh, what the Father had advised him. And, and he came back expecting the big stick and saying, Father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. And can I be one of your slaves and work in the pigsty and all of this sort of stuff? Um, but 
rather than saying the father saying, "Okay, well, we'll put you on probation for a while and see how you do. He ran at him. He kissed his neck. He restored him to position straight away without any discussion. He was just overjoyed to see him. And that one revelation for me has changed the way I think and the way I conduct myself because I know because of the blood of Jesus there is nothing that can stop me coming to the Father and nothing that would make him less than delighted to see me coming towards him. Nothing I've said, nothing I've done, nothing that I've thought will stop me from approaching that throne of grace. I've got a computer that keeps turning itself off. I haven't set that up yet. Um, And again, it's a really fundamental revelation. And I think once you've begun to grasp it, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it just gives you the boldness to, as, as the scriptures say, boldly approach the throne of grace. That is what grace is all about. It's not about how we behave. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are and what Jesus has done that enables us to come to him. So that's the the father heart of God. And, that, you know, I'm going to leave it at that. I think the next key in terms of loving yourself is understanding who you are in what the plans are that God's got for you. OK, uh, Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And Ephesians 2.10 says, we have become his poetry. You can tell this is the Passion Translation, can't you? We have become his poetry, a recreated people that fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. And even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. That is just incredible. It is really, really incredible that before we were even born, before we did anything, before we learnt anything, before we gained any abilities, God knew us enough to create good works for us to step into. He created a destiny. And one of the most exciting things in life is to help people get in tune with that prophetic destiny that God has for them. Also one of the most frustrating parts of the journey when you're learning to uh, step into it. But really, I've always thought that KLS, Kingdom Life School, that we do, whether it's the one-week one or the one-year one, Really, a lot of what that is about is enabling people to step into that prophetic destiny, to understand what it is through personal prophecy and uh, through uh, getting people in to confirm that, teaching people to hear God's voice so that they can begin to understand that destiny for themselves, but then equipping them and giving them the tools to actually work it out. That is what KLS is really all about. Others may disagree, but uh, that's kind of what I see it as being. And, and it is really the most exciting thing. And I can say that my life has changed significantly since I set myself to hear God's voice. I can remember a moment in time. I mean, I've always thought, I've always had a certain admiration for Jesus, right? 
he, because he had a certain amount of success in everything that he did. And I could, you know, everyone who came to him, he healed. You know, when he went to walk on the water, he didn't sink. It was like he had success. And I thought, what is that? Why? I mean, OK, he had the spirit without measure. He was obviously pretty close with God. And, uh, but I think the key to it is he only did what he saw the father doing. And he only said what he heard the father saying, which is the spirit of prophecy. And that verse in Revelation 19 says, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's kind of the essence, if you like, because he only did what he saw the father doing. He only said what he heard the father saying. And that was the the key to him having a very, very confident walk through life. Um, He was absolutely amazing. And I... You know, the more I've been reading the Gospels uh, recently, I've realised that Jesus um, Jesus had a really clear picture of his destiny. It says in um, Matthew 16 that uh, when he's talking to his disciples, quite early on in Matthew, so about halfway through the Gospel, he says, from then on Jesus began to clearly reveal to his disciples that he was destined to go to Jerusalem and suffer injustice from the elders, leading priests and religious scholars. He also explained that he would be killed and three days later raised to life again. That's a pretty clear picture of what was going to happen to him. And I think he had in his mind's eye not just kind of the minute thing of like there's this blind person in front of me, what have I got to do? But he actually had this overall picture of his complete destiny. And it's because of that he was able to boldly step into it. It says, doesn't it, that for the joy set before him, he was able to endure the cross. It's because he could see the whole picture and he knew God's plan for his life that made him able to very boldly and confidently step into situations that would have scared us to death, that we probably would have backed away from because we can't see the whole picture. Now, I, I firmly believe that, you know, God wants us to move closer in to that way of living, of understanding what our destiny is in life, of hearing the Father's voice so clearly that we, we can step into that whole arena of doing what he's doing and saying what he's saying. So we're going to look at that a little bit um, because God has really been speaking to me in this last week about clarity in the prophetic so yeah I can remember the the moment probably probably about 20 20 odd years ago 28 maybe I can remember lying on my bed reading the bible and reading 1 Corinthians 14 which says you know let love be your highest goal but you should also desire the special abilities that the spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy you know, and I can remember that moment. I can, I can picture myself lying on that bed. I can, I can almost kind of smell what the room smelt like. It's like it's kind of one of those milestone moments when I said, yeah, I do earnestly desire to prophesy. I really do. I want to prophesy. I want to hear God's voice. I want to hear, I was praying at the time, I want to hear your voice, God, and I want to hear it clearly. And I can remember at that moment just saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write something down and uh, kind of began to write uh, a little bit of journaling down of of what I imagined the voice of God was saying and kind of wrote some things down, kind of took a step back from it, looked at it and thought, nah, 
that's melodramatic. That's not going to happen. And actually, within about three months, something absolutely major happened that fitted exactly into what he had said. But that was a moment. That was a moment when I turned my heart and said, I really want to hear your voice, God. I really want to get clear revelation. And, you know, my whole life has taken on a turn since then. You know, we, we've had, as, as many of you know, who've been coming here for a while, uh, I've had a number of prophetic words. And it, it, it almost seems like I've become a prophetic word magnet now. It is really embarrassing sometimes when you go to meetings and you're kind of taking hungry people with you and everything. And I'm sort of cowering behind the seat somewhere thinking, don't pick me. I've, I do not want any more prophetic words. And immediately they home in and said, you, sir, come out. And, and another prophetic word comes. But it's been amazing. It's been absolutely amazing. And through the prophetic word and through personal revelation, through my own dreaming and desiring in the spirit, I have begun to get a picture of what my life looks like. What my life looks like kind of now, what the medium term is. And I believe he's giving me a reasonably clear picture of what the next 20 years looks like for me personally. Okay, and that gives you a confidence to do really mental things like buying five acres of land up the road because he has begun to say it and show it and confirm it from different angles. And, the, and you know, who knows, you need something solid to step out on that sort of thing. But it has become a really exciting time in my life because now... You know, I'm not looking round at, at different churches and thinking, oh, I've got to get the same suit as that person or I've got to, uh, I've, we've got to do things in the same way as that person or, or whatever. I'm not looking at that because I am so confident that God has spoken to us in this place at this time to be an expression of the kingdom of God in this area. It, it, I am completely confident in my own skin. I am not trying to be anyone else whatsoever. And, and it's good. It's a good place to be. So what I'm trying to do is to say, is to stoke up a little fire in your heart that says, you know, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, but especially that you might prophesy, especially that you might kind of know what God is saying. And um, so I'll bring in a little bit of testimony now because uh, I want to bring in some detail of what's going on. Because this, around about a week ago, I was spending a little bit of time with my delicious grandson, Judah, who I love being with and just makes me smile all the time. But anyway, I got the joy of having to look after him one Friday morning um, because different things were going on. And I, I brought him down to the office, as you do, because he likes playing on the spinny chairs and all of that sort of stuff. But we got to the time when uh, he was getting a bit tired and I thought, he needs a nap. So we'll, we'll get him in the buggy and we'll go out for a walk around the, around the park and everything. And at the same time, he, he does like going for a walk and generally everything calms down and quiets down. He kind of likes looking at things and all of that stuff. Um, but we started walking around and at the same time, I've been listening and watching some of the prophetic words that have been coming out from, from people that I've learned to uh, respect and 
listened to. I mean, there's people like Chuck Pierce. Over a very long period of time, I've been listening to Lana Vorsa from Australia. Um, di different prophetic voices. And there seemed to be a bit of a consensus popping out, and including my dear wife, um, about a call to prayer at the moment. There is a season to come and ask for something, you know? It's kind of like a window of opportunity. And I'd recognised it. Something had resonated in my spirit about it, but I didn't know how to do it because I am infamously bad at praying. I can start praying for something and within 10 seconds be distracted, uh, be kind of thinking about something else. I can have lost the gist and I can... And so here I am out on this walk and I'm saying to God, Lord, what does this mean for me? And, I, you know, I, I don't take on any judgment about the intercession thing at all. I, you know, God has created me how I am and, and I am comfortable with it. OK, so uh, but I do know that there is a way if he's calling us to prayer, there is a way for me to express that. And so I'm asking and we're going around and we're walking around Admiralty Park here and as I'm walking around, I'm sort of beginning to imagine the kind of different buildings and kind of that they might be used for different purposes. And I'm sort of seeing some for like a like little restaurant and coffee shop and I'm seeing some for a health and wellness centre and I'm seeing some as workshops and I'm seeing, so, and I'm seeing all of these things. And, and as, I'm, as I'm kind of just imagining this, let's not get over spiritual about this. This is not me having kind of an open vision or anything. I'm just like dreaming it. But as I'm seeing it, I begin to speak it out and I say, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that there's going to be all these good things on here, that actually there's these things are coming to fruit at this time that you're beginning to raise up people who with the vision and the desire to see some of these things come about. Thank you that you're gathering in the people with the necessary expertise and experience to help this going. And before I know what's happening, I'm praying and I'm interceding and I'm beginning to see. And so I'll go on a little bit further and I'm kind of out into this bit of forest over here now, just walking over all the roots and everything. And Judah's going like this and <laughs> having a whale of a time because it's a bit uneven. Um, and suddenly I'm thinking, I wonder what it would be like if we saw a mass cancellation of debt amongst us. And I'm imagining what it would look like for my kids, cancellation of student loans, cancellation of credit cards and overdrafts and all of that junk that comes out at the end of university uh, from having a jolly good time, I hasten to add. Um, but that also, from that point on, keeps you a little bit trapped because you've got to keep turning the handle, servicing that debt and, and, and kind of working to get it all paid off. And, and I thought, I wonder what that would look like if, like, literally everyone in here got their debt cancelled, you know, all in one go. And I just began, and I said, well, thank you, Lord. And I began to remember a word that he gave me a, a year or so ago when I was driving, about 10 years ago, when I was driving to Winchester. And, you know, he, he threw all the 555, so those of you have heard that story. But he said, the day for the anointing, for the cancellation of debt is upon you. And suddenly that word came back to life for me. It's, it's like, yeah, he'd spoken it a while back. But suddenly it became alive to me and I thought, and I began to say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that the day for the anointing, for the cancellation of debt is upon us. Thank you that resources are going to be released to cancel every debt in our midst. 
every single debt in our midst. And I began to see it and thank, uh, thank him for it, that my kids were going to have houses, they were going to own them, they were not going to be mortgaged up to the hilt to be able to sustain it and all of that sort of stuff. And before I knew what was happening, I was praying and I was interceding and I was thanking him for it. And that's the funny thing. I'm not asking him to do it. I'm kind of thanking him that he is doing it. It's, it's sort of like a, more of a declaration than a, a petition. So I walk on a bit further and uh, I, I kind of walk back down the road and into Station Road at the end. And I think, oh, I'll just have a quick wobble round uh, St. Martin's Hill because it's a bit safer than coming down the main road there. And uh, as I got round there, I began to think, what would it be like if the Spirit of God fell on this place? What would it look like? You know, what would it, what would it feel like? And I got to the end of St. Martin's Hill, right outside Jono and Rebecca's new house. And, uh, and, you know, I was thinking about them as well. And I was thinking about the presence of God. And all of a sudden, the presence of God just fell on me. And I literally had to stop. Uh, it was a physical feeling. I went very short of breath. My lips went numb. My face started tingling a bit. And it was, it was kind of just like it was actually a few years ago when kind of stuff was really rocking and rolling back in the 90s. And I just stopped. I paused. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are coming again. And you are going to pour out your spirit on all flesh. And that this area is going to be transformed by a move of your Holy Spirit. And suddenly I found myself interceding you know, <clears throat> and I suddenly I got back and it was all good it was all good I kind of recovered from it fairly quickly uh, went back into the office and uh, and that was fine but I thought afterwards I thought that is what intercession looks like for me it's about dreaming it's about imagining it's about you know allowing God to invade your thoughts that's what the voice of God sounds like, isn't it? It's like a flow of spontaneous thoughts that kind of pop into your subconscious. That's like, I think, how we all hear. It's very rare that people would hear audible voices, but you get this flow of spontaneous thoughts. And that's how it came into me. And as I began to thank him for that, I realised that's me in intercession. That's what it looks like. And it's the same. It's the same when I go out for a ride with Stubbsy and we go on the mountain bikes. It's usually when I'm doing something a bit repetitive, you know, and it kind of takes your mind off uh, the things around you so much. And suddenly this little flow of thought starts coming in. But that's what it looks like for me. And, uh, and, and then, I, then, I, then I started to take it on and I thought, yeah, this is good. This is all good, but there's more. There's more than this. And on Wednesday morning, we had a few leaders in here for, uh, to do some praying and uh, have breakfast together as well. And um, as we were just sort of like batting a few things around, I, I suddenly had this kind of little thought in my mind, a little spontaneous thought popped in, cry out for wisdom. It just kind of popped in there and I thought, that's a scripture somewhere. I'll Google it, find out where it comes from. And of course, it's Proverbs 2. Let me just read it out again in the Passion Translation. This, this Passion Translation is not a, a literal translation, but it is one uh, where the author has tried to get behind the mindset behind it okay, and express it. So it's a, it's a paraphrase, so it's not a word-for-word -word accurate translation, but I think it illuminates. It kind of sheds a light on the scriptures, uh, which for me 
is making things come alive a little bit at the moment. Um, so Proverbs 2. My child, will you treasure my wisdom? Then and only then will you acquire it. And only if you accept my advice and hide it within you will you succeed. So train your heart to listen when I speak and open your spirit wide to expand your discernment and then pass it on to your sons and daughters. Yes, cry out for comprehension and intercede for insight. For if you keep seeking it, like a man would seek for sterling silver, searching in hidden places for cherished treasure, then you will discover the fear of the Lord and find true knowledge of God. Wisdom is a gift from a generous God and every word he speaks is full of revelation and becomes a fountain of understanding within you. For the Lord has a hidden storehouse of wisdom made accessible to his godly lovers. He becomes your personal bodyguard as you follow his ways, protecting you and guarding you as you choose what is right. Then you will discover what is just, proper and fair and be empowered to make the right decisions as you walk into your destiny. When wisdom wins your heart and revelation breaks in, true pleasure enters in your soul. If you choose and follow good counsel, divine design will watch over you and understanding will protect you from making poor choices. It will rescue you from evil in disguise and those who speak duplicities. For they have left the highway of holiness and walk their ways in darkness. They take pleasure when evil prospers and thoroughly enjoy a lifestyle of sin. But they're walking on a path to nowhere, wandering away into deeper deception. And I, I, you know, I, I read this thing and it kind of just switched a little switch on in, in me about wisdom, about crying out for wisdom, crying out for wisdom. And, it, and I kind of made this little connection between the wisdom of Solomon. Do you remember in uh, right at the beginning of Solomon's reign, God comes to him. And let's just read that scripture. Um, it, it said, God came to Solomon in 2 Kings 3, 9 and asked him, Solomon, what do you want? Just gave him a question. What, what do you want? Up to half my kingdom. And he says, Solomon says, look, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? And of course, God was very pleased and said, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and are not just asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you have asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. And, uh, you know, I, I thought we've, we've talked about this before, so I won't spend a long time on it, but... When he says, give me understanding, that word, uh, or give me wisdom, some translations uh, translate it. That word, wisdom or understanding, literally means a hearing ear. That's amazing. It's like, you know, real wisdom is not attained by studying. It's not about knowledge. It's about a flow of life that comes from heaven. It's about having a hearing ear. You know, and Solomon's wisdom was greater than anyone's. You know, the queen of Sheba came and was just staggered, staggered at his wisdom. She came and, and 
gave him many hard questions, it says, and Solomon could answer all of them. She was amazed at the palace that he'd built, the clothes that they wore, the food on his table. You know, through the wisdom of Solomon and the discernment and understanding, it said that wealth was so plentiful that silver became worthless. It was like piled up on the street sides because no one wanted it anymore because everyone had gold. It was an incredible time. So the wisdom of Solomon, the hearing ear. And then it began to make me think about the spiritual gifts. So let's jump on 1 Corinthians 12. So we all know about the gifts of the spirit. And I started off with earnestly desire the spiritual gifts or the special abilities that the spirit gives, especially that you might prophesy. And 1 Corinthians 12 uh, details what those spiritual gifts are. So the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the gift of faith, healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues and interpretation of tongues. And I sort of began to think about these things a little bit. And, you know, for a while I thought all of those all of those gifts are actually the same thing, aren't they? They're, They're all about hearing from God and doing something. They're hearing from God and saying something, whether it's prophecy, you hear from God, you speak it out. If it's a word of knowledge, you hear from God and you speak it out. If it's uh, a gift of healing, well, generally you're hearing from God and you command healing. If it's tongues, is a f- where's that coming from? That's not coming from your brain. That's a flow from heaven. It's coming into your spirit and you speak it out. Interpretation of tongues. It's like something that is flowing. So everything is flowing from heaven by the Holy Spirit into our hearts and we have a response either to say something or do something out of them, all of them. But I began to look a little bit more about the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom because the two come right next to each other. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, they're the first ones. And I thought, God's got me crying out for wisdom at the moment. And I I began to think, why is that? Why, you know, what is the thing uh, what, what is it about those things? And I suddenly, we, uh, Sam and I have been talking about this over the last week or so, but it, it's like the word of knowledge is, is the what, isn't it? You know, quite often we'll get a word of knowledge in the, in, in the service. We'll say, there's someone here with a bad knee. You'll perhaps kind of get a sympathetic pain or something. And, and the assumption is that God wants to heal that bad knee. Okay. Or you may get a word that there's someone here who has been, had a real troubling situation at home. And the assumption is that God wants to comfort them. I believe the word of wisdom will bypass the assumption and tell you exactly what God is doing at that moment. So, for example, you know, if they're like when Jesus had a word of knowledge that... Uh, there was the, uh, a kind of a blind man presented in front of him. The word of wisdom was that he bends down, spits in the ground, forms bits of clay, puts it on the guy's eyes and speaks them to be opened. It was the how. So if the word of knowledge is the what. The word of wisdom is the how and the when. So often we have got lots of words of knowledge and I've got those for my life. I've got the I've got the vision of, for example, absolutely convinced God wants to do that thing. He wants to build this training and equipping centre just up the road. 
It's a done deal. Now I need to know the how and the when. And that is why we're in this place where we begin to cry out for wisdom, cry out for that hearing ear. One of my favourite scriptures, which came in a dream to me a little while ago, Isaiah 55. And of course, it, it tied in with the whole 555 thing for me, Isaiah 55. And it says, is anyone thirsty? Come drink. Even if you have no money, come have your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on what does not give you strength? Why pay for the food that does you no good? And it says, listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest of food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Hear me and you will find life. You know, and God spoke this very, very clearly to me in a, in a dream, which again has just refueled that passion to, to grab hold of the clarity and the accuracy of the prophetic word. Not going beyond the, there's someone here with a bad back and, and actually seeing the direct details and seeing what God is doing in that, in that situation and how he wants to heal. And I think as we, begin to step into a release of the spirit and a release of abundance and provision, it is going to be critical that we have that accuracy because we could mess a lot of people up by making assumptions. We have got to cry out for that wisdom. It's very interesting that um, that Isaiah 55 where it says, listen to me, it's exactly the same word as the, in the wisdom of Solomon, give me an understanding heart. The, the Aramaic word or Hebrew word or whatever it is, is sama. And it means to hear intelligently, often with the implication of attention, obedience, causatively to tell, speak it out, attentively call, gather together, carefully, certainly, consent, consider, to be content, declare, diligently discern, give ear. You know, as you read through all of these things in the definition of this word, it's very clear that they can be summarized into listen and act. Listen and do. So it's not just about hearing. There is an act of obedience that goes with it as well. Man, this is a good word, I tell you. It's like... This is what God's saying right at the moment. You know, he only declares these things if there is something to declare, if there's something about to shift. And the fact that, you know, that on the, on the Wednesday morning, I got that word uh, from Proverbs 2 and I could feel my heart starting to go. I could feel it starting to like pound a little bit. And I thought, this is the word of the Lord. And I began to read it out. And, uh, and you could kind of feel a little bit of a ripple around the room as it activated in, in people's hearts. And this is the word of the Lord right now. So if you want to know, if you want to feel confident in your own skin, I, I would say, I would charge you, get passionate about learning your own identity. Don't, you know, that, the, the whole thing of that Sama word is about intentional actions, doing something on purpose, not casual. It's, it's not just something that is going to drift on you. It is something that you kind of pick up and take. 
And so what has that looked like for me? Well, for me, you know, it started right from the moment that just acknowledged and said, yes, I earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. I want it. I, I align myself with it. God, if you're giving it out, I want to receive it. It then followed like a number of madcapped adventures where I even ended up going over to Malaysia for two weeks to attend a school of the prophets uh, to put myself under someone who had really learned how to do this, had really stepped into it and had a real track record. I kind of positioned myself there. And if you come along to the KLS week or the, uh, the year-long school, you'll hear about that because we, we go into a lot of deals because it's really significant of how we position ourselves to receive the word of the Lord. So, but it's got to be intentional. It's got to be intentional. Generally speaking, if there's prophetic people around, if there's meetings going on, I will be there. If, if Isabel's coming and speaking at Catch the Fire Church, I'll take a couple of days off and I will go and I will sit there and I will position myself. And, and it stirs me up. I even realised it when Peter and Mariette came because Peter, uh, who, who kind of mentors uh, Heather and I, uh, kind of oversees us a little bit and uh, keeps in touch with us and follows the life of the Lighthouse Church. Um, he's very prophetic and he, he is his prophetic word that kind of kept us going right at the very beginning. And I found that as he came and stayed in my house, I began to prophesy. I began to kind of get revelation. And it's like, as you get around people that are prophetic, it activates the prophetic in you. But you've got to be intentional. <laughs> Don't just drift around and hope that something might happen. Position yourself. Go for it. That's the essence of cry out for wisdom. I, I believe we're coming into a season where, you know, we've had the word of knowledge and the spread fire approach. We're coming into the time where we'll get the word of knowledge and the laser sights that will just hit exactly the thing that we're looking at. It's a, it's a time to get into the detail. It's a time to hit the target right in the middle. Good. Let's, let's stand. Father, Lord, you're... Your word is life. You've said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that is proceeding from your mouth, from the throne of God. And Lord, we, we just say, as you've said in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, we, we just call out to you today and say, release your word to us again, Father. We, we, we're sorry that sometimes, I'm sorry that sometimes I get a bit dull and I get a bit distracted and I get a bit kind of lost in my my own journeys and father i is that the thing going off oh my word